This episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. The name sounds familiar because it is where my podcast studio is held. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. And since we can't get any of the local businesses to sponsor what we do here, I figure I'll sponsor the podcast. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet somewhere. I can do this in a basement somewhere. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery, and I can do this podcast. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. So if you can help out what we do here, then that would be amazing. You know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. That's all. That's all we need. You know, we don't need a lot to keep this going. We need like seven fifty a month. We get seven fifty a month and everybody can come here all day long for meetings and it would be amazing. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. So that's who is sponsoring this podcast for now on. If you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. Yeah, welcome to the show, Bobby. I appreciate you taking the time to, you know, sit down with me. So, and how much, uh, I know we only got today, but, you know, when was the last time you had a drink or a drug? Uh, what was it? February 27th, 1984. It's 37 years ago. So we got on, it's funny because when you're like my sober date is February 29th. I didn't realize that, you know, the end of February, wintertime is a tough time to quit drinking and drugging. You know what I mean? Because it's still cold out and it keeps you warm a little bit. (laughs) I liked having leap day just because it was so unique. You know, you can only get an anniversary once every four years. So what was that? What was your main um, downfall? Was it drinking or was it drugs? Uh, I dipped and dabbed in, you know, drugs. I did some crystal meth and, you know, I started actually snorting glue when I was a kid and uh, (laughs) when when I was young. And, uh, you know, smoked, smoked marijuana, of course, who didn't. And, and, you know, I did pills, some pills, quaaludes and different types of meth. Uh, but alcohol was the, the real deal for me. Did you start drinking at an early age? Yes, probably at uh, maybe sixth grade, something like that, sixth grade. And and did you grow up in South Jersey? Yes, I grew yeah. up in uh, South Jersey. Yeah, after the show, I'll talk to you a little about it. Who, yeah. who, who you may know me or who may know. Because well, your parents, your parents would probably know people I know. May, probably, yeah. But walking around, you know, walking around that area, you know, it was easy to like you kind of walk around town and drink in the kind of areas that we grew up in. You know, for anybody watching, like we met in a Facebook group for harm reduction with 10,000 people in there. And turns out we both graduated from the same high school, just 35 years apart. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you're out in California now and I'm in Pennsylvania. Neither of us are, you know, in our old town. 
it's just so funny. It's not like we're in New York City and we were both from New York City from a regional high school. There's 150 kids a year that come rolling through that school. So it's not like the odds, you know, definitely, you know, go buy a scratch off. Um, But yeah, it's um, what made you want to quit drinking then after, you know, if you're going in the 80s and how old are you when you quit drinking? Uh, I think I was about 32. Okay, so that that was my age when I when I got sober. I was thirty one and a half. I when, could have been thirty four if due to math. That's thirty thirty two. But still, mid thirties. You know, mid thirties yeah. is a time for a change. Was something going on in your life? Did you get arrested? Was like a well, I t- like I always say, it was circumstances. It was cause and effect. It, it's like I tried over and over again, and you know the result wasn't. You know, I I could never I could never do it. I didn't have any choices really. I, I I'm not make myself a victim but I, I guess I could say I was a victim of of a society that I had to go into because there was no other choices but cause and effect at the end I, I look I was working in a psychiatric hospital and, and, and the, you know the clients or the patients were calling me crazy so you know you get you get you get paranoid a little bit you know you start getting paranoid and look over your shoulder you know you're always moving looking over your shoulder you, you you, you wake up, your hangovers are so bad, they last for four or five days. You know, you got to have it, you know, what takes care of them. You know, another little drink and it takes care of them and settles the mind. Uh, just because I took another drink to settle the mind, I, I didn't go right back to my, I, I, I was, look, you could have called me a weekend binger, you know. Yeah. When I took a drink, uh, you know, the old saying, the drink takes, took me, but yeah. it, it did, you know, I didn't know where I was going to end up. I, it was like a veil. I, I always look at it like after a certain period of so many drinks, it, it, I go into a, a another whole realm. It's mm-hmm. almost like another whole realm. And the realm or, or this veil takes me to where it wants to go. And, yeah. uh, you know, when, when I come out of it, then I can, uh, then I can wake up and, and possibly go home with my tail between my legs and uh, go down the basement and sleep it off. Uh, open up all the windows because the the room stunk so much but um getting you know yeah so now and I know you're talking kind of it sounds like you're kind of hitting towards the fact when you got you know sober that the only really methods around in the 80s was AA and A NA was really kind of people were just start where were you were you in New Jersey still or were you in California no I, I was in I was in Jersey I was okay. in New Jersey, South, South Jersey, you know, Audubon, let's just say, hey, Audubon people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was, uh, I, well, actually, I wasn't living in Audubon at that time. I I uh, was living in Stratford, which okay. is not far from Audubon. Nah, right yeah. And I was living in Stratford, and that's where, that's where the, you know, the, let's say my journey, my life journey, not my life recovery, but my life journey took me, and uh, I went to my first meeting, and how I got there, I was lucky. I raised my hand. I was done. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll take help. My wife introduced me to somebody and he came over and, you know, I look at him. It almost looks like you, you know, who was a bearded guy. He was a tall dude. He was a construction worker, Jack Daniels, pharmacy, Robin, uh, dope smoking. He, he was, a, a, you know, he was a typical South Jersey dude, you know, yeah. and he came into my house and it was like, Jesus Christ walked in there. You know, he, he just, we, we, we track, we, we attracted and I liked him. He, we had stuff in common. He had two daughters. I had two daughters. His wife was hanging with my wife. I, I liked the dude. Okay. If I didn't like him, 
He said, you want to go to a meeting? I said, yeah, how about Sunday? I even told him. He didn't tell me. He was not a big book, big book thumper. He never preached it. He never taught me what to do. He never told me what to do. He became a friend of mine. And that's what I always use today. Bobby C., a friend in recovery and beyond. You know? It's funny because usually so, if someone's a friend of mine in, in New Jersey, it means something else when you're Italian. You know, <laughs> you're not well, careful. <laughs> yeah, he was a friend. He was, you know, he, he became a, he, t- he still today, he's a, a friend of mine. We don't yeah. talk about, we don't yeah. talk about the alcohol, the old times. We, we talk about how our lives are doing now. He's fishing over there in North Carolina and uh, South Carolina. And he does a lot of, you know, he's right across the street from the lake. We talk about his kids, his wife, his family, his health, blah, blah, blah. So we're still friends. Now, when did you make your journey then? You know, I know in sobriety, because you've done a lot, obviously, in sobriety, you haven't touched a drink in 37 years. When did you make your trip across country then to California and why? I went to Arizona first and because of the weather, the clouds and the rain, I hated it, you know. So I used to mark on the calendar, cloudy day, rainy day, cloudy day, rainy day, all sunny, one sunny. So I got tired of it and we went out and visited my uh, wife's brother, uh, wife's brother, my brother-in-law in uh, Tempe, Arizona. And eventually we moved out there. I was probably, I don't know, I forget how long I was sober, five years, six years, seven years, I don't know. And then I ended up moving back again to Jersey. So it was a long story, but eventually I came back again to, you know, and of course I had a home group in, in the, in, you know, yeah. here, 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 go ahead. You were, because like, you got it, you got indoctrinated into AA very early on, because that's all there really was. Now, but you and I have talked also about harm reduction, which is not AA. Now, when did you start seeing that there are different methods than the one you chose to get sober? And what okay. made you want to back that? Because what made you want to back that too? Because an old timer back in harm reduction and not going to meetings anymore isn't really heard of. So not to call you an old timer, but anybody with 30 plus years sobriety really is considered an old timer in the rooms. That's what I'm saying, old timer. So for an old timer to be like, nope, I'm going to go to less meetings and support harm reduction instead. What was it a home group thing that, you know, what was it that made that shift? That's a huge shift in sobriety for you to take. Well, let's just say, you know, 37 years, I left Alcoholics Anonymous, completely left the rooms probably about five, five and a half years ago six years ago left i was always at the end i was always uh, uncomfortable because all along all along my whole recovery process you call it a life recovery process recovering from life actually all the lies and the bullshit that i learned about myself about everything else about life all along i was deprogramming myself from things okay so i would i let's just take for an example i didn't go to a step meeting for a year and i stayed sober okay so how's that how do you stay sober well you must not have really been working or were you really sober you know uh yes i was really sober but i did go to step meetings after a year okay and i did all the steps and i still stayed sober so i found out by by um cause and effect by trial and error by experimenting creating my own program that it works if I went in or if I didn't go. If I, if I, like, if I did the steps or I didn't do the steps, it's because it came from me. Today, my whole thing, believe I can achieve. So I'm fine. I found out by going to like 
one-on-one group, going to group therapy, going to CODA, going to ACOA, Iron John meetings, uh, venturing out, you know, uh, eventually listen to Wayne Dreyer, uh, maybe motivational speakers like Anthony Robin. This is 30, over 35 years ago, listening to this stuff. I started to, uh, I started to uncover, recover. So I'm still on Alcoholics Anonymous all this time. I got a sponsor. I'm doing the thing. I'm going to meetings. I, I go on vacation. Here's another thing. I go on vacation. I didn't go to meetings for a week. I didn't drink. I go back to meetings and I go to a meeting once a week. I didn't drink. I go to meetings three times a week because I felt like it. I didn't drink. I found that all along the whole process, the whole time that I'm, I'm doing this experiment. I'm actually, you know, because I could say I'm a professional in my own life's journey. I'm a professional in my own experience, good, bad, and everything in between. So I'm learning all these different things as I go along and I'm deprogramming myself in a sense, but I'm still conflicting with cognitive dissonance, ambivalence back and forth. Is he right? Or are they right? Am I wrong? Am they right? Or wrong? And I, I did this all along the whole process for many, many years. Okay. So you had questions all along. You, you oh. not, not that you were outright, you, you weren't being a distraction in the group. You wouldn't, no. you know, disrupt meetings and disrupt traditions and, you know, break tradition. You, it sounds like you respect the program and you respect what it did for you initially. You just want the program to know that there are other programs. It is not the end all be all. There are other ways that we can do this, that we can recover. There's people that are getting sober just by going on TikTok all day long. Seriously, there's people on those Facebook groups, you know, um, we met in hams, right? In the yeah. hams group. Yeah. And there are people that listen to this, they know, or maybe they don't, but like, you know, the person that started that harm reduction group, he was on an episode a couple months ago, Ken Anderson. And he talks about all of them all the time. Like he went to AA twice. He's been to rehabs, but he was like, there's still other ways to do it. Just because it works doesn't mean it's the only way it's going to work. You know, well, somebody in the closet is going to work too, but doesn't mean it's the only way it's going to keep you sober. That's, that's exact. This is what I found out through all my trial and error, not trial, trial and error in checking things out. This is what I found out. This is what I believe. First of all, disclaimer is I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do, how to do it, where to go. Okay, let's just get that off the table. Okay, I'm, t- I'm sharing my experience, what I've learned. Take it or leave it. It doesn't matter, you know. Uh, I'm doing, I'll tell you why I'm doing this. People say, Bobby, why are you bashing or deprogramming Alcoholics Anonymous? Because I have podcasts to deprogram it. Why are you doing that? I'll tell you why. Because the next generation, my children, my grandchildren, not my children because they're old enough, but I have grandchildren. I have five grandchildren. My grandchildren might not want to be labeled alcoholic or addict, okay? They might want something different, something new, something creative, okay? So, I want to I want to show them and help point the way because most help is just a pointer to the way we are the way I found everything in common. This is what I found out in common with everybody else's program that they do. It always comes from them, you know. Well, uh, now the Catholics and the Christians and the God loving people can say it always comes from God. That's another whole podcast. We don't want to get into that. But I I believe this is what my reality is and my belief. And what I know today is true, is that it comes from us, you know. So we all have this in common. Now, 
I'm not denying that uh, Alcoholics Anonymous in the beginning and throughout my journey has been pointer to some way. Okay, I'm not I'm not denying that. All I'm saying is there's other ways and there's the reasons why. See, my podcast go into why I'm saying what I'm doing. We're not going to use up the time today because I go in specifically why 90 and 90, you know, what, where it came from, where the pyramid was originated, the 230 year old disease concept. I go into depth. I go down the rabbit hole really deep. So I'm really into it. But I, I want to help the next generations, the, the other generations. That come. Uh, what are those podcasts called that you also do? And I'll have them linked. They'll be in the description. There'll be a link to you have two podcasts, correct? Right. I have a link tree. That okay, gets, perfect. You know, I'll put the link tree right in the description for them. To yeah, click I don't I don't I don't even know how to get it to you, but no big deal. I'll get you. I'll, the link I'll find tree. it. Yeah. I'll yeah. Yeah. I'm with. I'm with anonymous addiction at my truth about AA as Bobby C sees it. Now, people say, why do you say as Bobby C sees it? Well, I would say as JD sees it, as Susan sees it, as Annie sees it, as Billy sees it, as Bobby sees it, as anybody sees it. Because I used to go into as Bill sees it meetings, candlelight, and yeah. I sit down and read the, as Bill sees it. And I didn't relate to none of that stuff. OK, I didn't like what he was saying. So I say it's as Bobby C sees it today, you know. And yeah. that's how it works. And and that's the thing is, there's things that I do like about going to the meetings in the program. And there's things that I don't like, you know. And one of the things that I've never been able to get on board with, well, you you brought up a little bit, but the spirituality. Um, now, because spirituality, to me, you know, I had a big problem with religion by the time I got into the program. And them saying, you know, you have to say God. And I... I would just say no. I, you know, I eventually, you know, we got it down to I got let it be, you know, instead of let go, let God, because I was having such a problem with saying that. But what really opened my eyes was a speaker, you know, he was talking about spirituality. And, you know, you know, during speaker meetings, sometimes they answer questions at the end, depending on the meeting type. And this was at a meeting in um, Marina Del Rey, and it was like a noon meeting. So usually they talk for like 40 minutes and then they answer questions until the end. And um, he had said, talk about spirituality. So I asked him, what's the difference between spirituality and religion? And he said, religion's for people who fear hell and spirituality is for people who have been to hell and made it back. You yeah, know, and that. that made a lot of sense to me finally. You know, like that, I could get on board with. I can, I can believe in forces. I can believe in gravity. I can believe in energy because those are things that like I can see almost with my eyes. As opposed, I can see results with, as opposed to anything else, you know. So, how was it for you then? You know, do you still have people that are in the program, like that go to meetings all the time that you're still in your life from when you were going there? No, I have really one friend that I touch base with, and he's a real, you know, good friend. He's really super heavy in Alcoholics Anonymous, and he knows that. I uh, I have the programming podcast and he accepts me and I accept him. He's cool. No problem. You know, I still have friends. I, I mean, look, I used to have home groups in Florida, Arizona, California, Jersey, you know, I mean, everywhere I used to go, I used to have a home group. So, you know, all I know is today I, I just show other people. It's like if you go into a courtroom and you have a prosecutor and a defense attorney, 
you know, you want to hear both sides. So, which we never hear, we go into a meeting and it's always one side, one slant, everything, how, how great it is and how good it is and blah, blah, blah. And how this is working and how that works. You get, look, I'm going to use the word, you get brainwashed. Okay. You can get brainwashed and, and, you know, look, repetition is the mother of brainwashing or it's the mother of skill. Okay. Either way, it could be going either way. So what I do is I tend to just show another side. Okay. In my podcast, Anonymous Addiction podcast on YouTube, I show another side. I take every tradition. I take every step. I take how it works. I take every reading in, in Alcoholics Anonymous. I go into the traditions. I go into the concepts. I go into the making. I go into the history of alcoholism. I go into the history of even when Rockefeller got involved with AA. I, I'll tell you what, if I take it down a rabbit hole with that, you that one, some, that some, one kind of curious. Yeah. Cur- that one I'm kind of curious about. Because Rocke- Rockefeller wasn't he before AA? Well, Rockefeller, the, the old man, his yeah. father was way before. But the, the Rockefeller Jr. He, boy, he's. I don't want to get even get into it because we'll waste too much time. I do a whole podcast on there, and they can check all that stuff out with because I do connecting the dots and following the money on two of my podcasts, part one and part two. But, you know, J.D., if we start talking about that, it'll, it'll like, they'll say, Bobby, you're a conspiracy theory and you're a nut. <laughs> because I am a conspiracy theory and I am a nut. So, well, yeah, that's, and that's okay. And that's, and that's what makes me, you know, curious. And there are a lot of things that, you know, kind of had not uh, made me not suspicious, but curious of how it's been over there and how it's only been the only way for so long. How has nobody else tried to give other kinds of ways of recovery besides AA and NA for so long? This episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. The name sounds familiar because it is where my podcast studio is held. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. And since we can't get any of the local businesses to sponsor what we do here i figure i'll sponsor the podcast i can do this podcast anywhere i can do this at home i can do this in a closet somewhere i can do this in a basement somewhere it doesn't matter all i need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery and i can do this podcast what i can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems you know we've had a lot of amazing success stories that keep me so filled with gratitude that I do this. So if you can help out what we do here, then that would be amazing. You know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. That's all. That's all we need. You know, we don't need a lot to keep this going. We need like seven fifty a month. We get seven fifty a month, and everybody can come here all day long for meetings, and it would be amazing. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. So that's who is sponsoring this podcast for now on. If you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me, and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode still even kind of recent and it's kind of still a branch na is kind of like the west coast version let's be real aa's headquarters is in new york city what la has na's headquarters you know it's kind of like the west side and the east side yeah. 
But besides yep. that, like, how has there been no other ways in, in, in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s even brought up? How has nobody said, try this way? Like, how has, how are they still the only two ways that every well, treatment center knows? Well, if you, if you listen to my podcast, I'll show you a bunch of, bunch of whys, bunch of hows, and a bunch of theys. And, uh, you know, uh, but, but getting back to harm reduction, uh, when did I start transitioning? I started transitioning all along, but you know what? I always was conflicting in, in, in the meetings, and I always felt there was something, something inside of me said that I'm a hypocrite, okay? I, I want to go, but I don't want to go because there's nowhere to go. You know, and where do I get the message out? Where do I start helping other people deprogram themselves from all the all the stuff that I'm I'm learning? How do I it, how do I feed that into the meetings? And I did little, and I did it gently. I did it gently. I was opposed. See, I'd rather be a bleeding deacon, but not in the sense that they wrote it up. See, I can even deprogram that bleeding deacon exactly. and elder statesman. Right yeah. You know, yeah, that's that's all that's all a game. That's all a little manipulative game. So it can silence everybody. See, because the tradition silenced the groups and, and that's well, tra- their principles. But what but wasn't the tra- if, now correct now I know you'll know the answer. Wasn't the traditions only written from a very, very very disgruntled and lost um who which one wrote was it bill or doctor no dr bob wrote the traditions and didn't he write it when he was extremely depressed look the the traditions were written 17 years later after bill and bob met i believe that there are so many people that wrote them traditions because those traditions the 12 and 12 the 12 and 12 yeah the 12 tradition well 12 and 12 right okay there's the 12 and 12 it came 17 years later yeah, the twelve and twelve book, but the traditions were written written to control the group, okay? Because and they weren't written by Bill and Bob. They weren't smart enough to write this. This stuff was check out the concepts. You want to see the twelve concepts? How 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 that that thing is will mind screw you, okay? Because it's so complex, okay? Twelve concepts. It's, the twelve concepts is is controls the world service. Okay, controls the world organization. 12 steps control the body, mind, and spirit. 12 traditions control the group. And 12 concepts control the world service. But so all along, um, um, I'm not, I don't know any of this. This stuff, I don't know any of this in, in uh, uh, only towards the end. Okay, towards the last couple of years going to meetings, I'm learning this stuff. And I never heard, this is the weird part. One time I heard smart recovery Near the end of my near the end of my leaving AA, I heard smart recovery, and I said to myself, I didn't even think of it. You know, this one guy said he was going to check out a smart recovery. I I've been to a lot of meetings around the whole country, and nobody ever said, "Hey, you guys should check out a, a rational recovery meeting, smart recovery." Hey, did you ever go to recovery Dharma? Oh, did you check out Refuge Recovery? Did you, did you pick up the re, uh, Freedom Model book? Oh, did you check out harm reduction? You know anything about Sinclair method? Oh, did you ever see Matt, you know, medical assisted treatments? No, none. Yeah, yeah Matt was none. never, Matt was never even an, I, I wish I would even, I mean, I obviously t- today I don't need Vivitrol, but I could have used Vivitrol back then for the cravings. You know, Vivitrol would have been huge for me. Why are we not giving Vivitrol in jail? where it'll take away everyone's cravings. Instead, they're giving Suboxone in jail. People are trading them and just selling them like drugs. 
You know what they're not going to trade in jail? A shot to the ass once a month the entire time they're in there. That's what Vivitrol is. You go in, they literally take a needle, they shoot it in your ass, and you're done. You see in 30 days, you know, and the cravings are significantly less. And you get out of jail with really no habit because the cravings are gone. You know, I have a friend that's six years clean and sober. Out of jail, you know. Well, he hasn't touched a drug in six years, and he hasn't taken the Vivitrol shot in over four years. He doesn't go to meetings. He didn't go through the steps. He didn't have the obsession relieved by going through the steps and have a spiritual awakening and all that. That's not what he claims. He, it's Vivitrol was his savior. He created his own program. So he weaned himself off. He did harm reduction. That was That's what harm reduction is. I mean, yeah. we could get some, you know, people that, that really, I mean, I'm no expert in harm reduction. Like I said, I'm an expert in my research and my knowledge and what I believe today and my truths today, you know. And um, look, any program that wants to take your life and your will and give it over to somebody else's care, which is an authority, you know, I always like it like sexual, look, uh, secular recovery, secular agnostic atheist in recovery. They still go to AA. I, I don't know. I used to, you know, I did a couple of podcasts a couple of years ago with people that are big in AA Beyond Belief and Beyond Belief in Recovery and still going to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, taking the word out of God. So they write two pamphlets and think, oh, we'll give them a little bit of some cheese over here. And, and then they'll make the big tent, uh, you know, one big tent, another little tiny book. Look, AA is going to change. When, when the membership starts to lose, just like the Catholic Church had a change when, you know, when everybody was leaving the Catholic Church. So it'll change just to get their membership in, their group in. Look, I'm talking about a lot of controversial stuff here. And, you know, J.D., uh, I'm not trying to tell anybody what to believe. I'm not trying to brainwash you into making believe what I believe because I don't have any really agenda in it. Well, yeah, and and my and this isn't. I'm not. I don't want you to brainwash. Nobody's being brainwashed, and that's the thing is, I want all different kinds of points points of view. I've had people on here that still use that, still drink, you know, that still drink here and there, and that was never their thing. That never caused them to lose control. They can go to a party and drink like a regular person, wake up hungover, and be like, "Well, that sucked." All right, going to start the day, and they don't think alcoholically. You know, they right. might have they might have had a problem and caught a habit with heroin, you know, and they shot dope all the time, or they snorted dope all the time, or they got high on crystal meth or whatever, but alcohol never really made them lose control. And so they drink here and there. Then I have people who are completely abstinent of everything that go to meetings all day long, every day. Then I have people that, you know, they don't drink, they don't use drugs, they just don't work a program, but they're still clean and sober. I want all the different points of view on the show. That's the point. I don't want, you know, the listeners to hear the same cookie cutter story every single week of, you know, they're not going to find themselves talking that way. Everyone's going to have different experiences in recovery, just like we all had different experiences in addiction. You know, your addiction doesn't look like my addiction and doesn't look like the next person's either. So why are we all going to have the same exact recovery look the same if all of our addictions look different? Right, right. So I'm with you 100%. I mean, that's that's what my podcasts are all about. It's all about the power of choice. Uh, look, if you choose, you know, we're going to suffer the cause and effect of our consequences. If, if it's not real, most of us will change naturally 
because of the fire put under our asses, okay? Most of us will change because it hurts, you know, because let's admit it, uh, using gives you a pleasure. It, it, it increases the dopamine. You get a pleasure out of it. It, it does something for us, okay? So when that doesn't work anymore, we tend to go to the other way. What can we do healthy? And then some people, look, some people can't be inspired. We try to inspire other people, you know, aspire to inspire. I try to talk this stuff out, but I can't change nobody. I can't even change my grandkids or my daughters or my wife or nobody, you know, try to change your wife. Okay. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm not here to change you, but I'm here to maybe aspire somebody to, to get changed because we want to live a J, JD and I were doing these podcasts to help somebody live a more healthy, productive, which I think could be healthy and productive. Even if you're using, if you're drinking, uh, if you're doing some uh, ma- marijuana or medication or you're doing some cocaine, if you're, what do they call it? The recreational drugs. I'm not against that. I'm not, I'm not anti anything. I just try to point the way to other things and let people think outside the box, you know? So, and I point them outside the government too. My my last real question I have for you then is because you're not some you, know, you have a different kind of circumstance than most. So if all of these different you know modalities were around in 1984, would you have wanted to seek to see if harm reduction would have worked for you, or do you think only abstinence works for someone like yourself? Well, I this is look. People will say, Bobby, then you must still believe in a disease concept because you're abstinence. No, I don't. I don't, I don't believe in a disease concept. I believe, I think I may have, I probably do. If you want to label me something late, label me, maybe I'm allergic to alcohol. Okay. Maybe there's one little thing in there, you know, look, Dr. Silkworth, he only had three pages in the big book. They make him a guide. Oh yeah. Dr. Silkworth. Uh, I'm going to go back 86, 87 years ago and think of one doctor. Right. Okay. Look, I believe in it because I'm a cheap son of a bitch. Anyhow, I ain't going to pay no seven, eight dollars for a damn drink when I can have water with lemon or a nice drink. That's number one. Number two, just because listen to this, ladies and gentlemen, just because uh, I don't have a disease, I still can create another habit. Okay, so maybe I can. I probably could. Maybe I could take a drink. I probably could. But if I take a couple drinks, there's a chance I still can create another habit, creating habits or from repetitious use, okay? So I could still create the habit again. So me, it's just a safer way. Hey, if I have a couple of drinks, that doesn't eliminate me from getting a DUI. That doesn't eliminate me with having a fight with my wife. That doesn't eliminate me with domestic violence. That doesn't uh, eliminate me with the health issue because ladies and gentlemen, I hate to say it, but alcohol is the deadliest drug in the world. Deadliest drug in the world, okay? It's a known fact. And guess what? It's a carcinogen. Okay, it's cancer causing. I hate to tell you, look it up, check it out. So there's a lot of reasons why. Do I believe in a disease concept? No, I don't, but I choose abstinence, but I respect your choice. Whatever you choose is your way. I can't change you, it's your way. Hey, some people use harm reduction or Sinclair method to get off completely, okay? So they wean themselves through it. Some people still stay on a Sinclair method and they still take the drug and some people still go in harm reduction and still decide to shoot heroin or whatever just safer it's yeah. your choice yeah i mean i i never it's funny because in that hams group they you know tapering is a big thing where you know go from 10 drinks a week to six drinks a week to four drinks a week 
And I, I said to my wife, I could never do that with opiates. I don't, I wouldn't have known how to taper opiates. Like I, I could have probably tapered alcohol, you know, cause it's everywhere, but opiates is a thing of, you know, the difference with tapering or trying to do harm reduction with opiates. And when I say harm reduction for opiates, I mean, tapering, I mean, okay, I'm going to just do two pills a day for a week and then I'll do one pill a day for a week, then half a pill a day for a week and taper down. I was never able to do that. And it's because of, if I ever run out of alcohol, I know I can just leave and buy more. I know that it's readily always available. So I, I have that peace of mind of, I don't need to run through this. It's always going to be there. But with pills, there was something with my mind where I just had to do them as soon as I got them. And there was no holding them for tomorrow. If you gave me 10 today, or not today, but you know, four years ago, if you gave me 10 or you gave me 20, you come back in two days, I'm going to have zero left regardless. You know, I'm going to, <laughs> they're all going to go regardless. There's no, I'm going to make them last, you know, with alcohol, I could make less with tapering, but pills, I could, there was that obsession and I could not ever turn it off. Um, but that's why, that's why we have a lot of different, uh, choices today. You know what? Next podcast, maybe we could talk about the recovery industry trap because the recovery industry is a multi-billion dollar organization. It's a multi-billion dollar industry and there's so much money and made in it. We could get into that. Okay. Because they want to keep us labeled. They keep us labeled, put us in prisons, put us in jails, call us addicts, call us alcoholics, call us powerless, call us whatever you want to call us, you know, druggy, user, uh, dopey, whatever. But uh, I, I don't believe in labels anymore. I'm going to, I'm creating a new trend of recovery throughout the whole world. And it's going to be without labels because and we are just regular human beings. John Oliver has a great episode um, of his show last week tonight. Uh, if you go to YouTube and you type in John Oliver treatment centers, it's like 27 minutes. It's a great episode with him. It's with, And it came out like five years ago and it breaks down how the treatment centers are revolving doors and basically just like a carousel where they want you to, you know, and there, and there is somebody from our town that, you know, opened a big treatment center in Florida after he got clean down there. And then what did he do? He started taking advantage and taking all the urine samples and charging off the urine samples to the, and then what happens? Jail time, fraud, $30 million in fraud. You know what I mean? Because you start getting, yep. And because you know that you can manipulate and you can, all right, the more urine samples I get, all right. I know somebody that was literally, he was homeless and he would keep a roof over his head by shooting dope every time he got let out of rehab. Like, all right, blah, blah, blah. Now you're free to leave rehab and go join society. So he would go and get high, go to another rehab. Like, I'm a drug addict. I'll do a drug test. Oh, I failed for drugs. See, I'm a drug addict. Oh, here's my insurance from my state insurance. All right, here's roof for you. And then boom, he's back in rehab because he failed his drug test. So it's not just the insurance companies. There are people who are finding ways to manipulate the system as well to keep a roof over their head. But it's better than three squares and a, and a cot in jail if you're in a rehab. Exactly. Then there's body brokering. There's body brokering through these rehabs and these sober living houses. They broker bodies just to get them in for the money circulation. We, we, we could talk all about that, but the yep. recovery industry is... Uh, 
It's, it's, hey, it's all connected. See, it's connected from the courts to government, Hollywood media, treatment centers. It's all connected. And AA, I consider it the warehouse, okay? AA, NA is a warehouse to, to put us in for free. It, it can and be. let me just say hi to hi to my buddy Joey Joey C out there in Jersey. Joey C's in Jersey. He's in North Jersey. So here's two buddies from Jersey. Joey C's on a podcast uh, probably later this week with him. JD, thanks a lot so much. Thank I you. hope I can get back and, and we can talk more about this stuff. Yeah, for sure. I'll talk to you soon, Bobby. Thanks, JD. Right, Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye.